Welcome back to another episode of the Flowcast. This is the podcast for information and inspiration on your journey to finding your flow. On this episode of the podcast, we are answering your questions. We've had a number of you send in some questions, a lot of them related to floating, which is okay, and some that were related to flow. And we decided to break down this episode and do a lot of the float related questions just get them all covered and all answered for you and then we dug in a little bit more into the dark side of flow and got a bit into the weeds about a pretty cool question on what kind of downside there could be to flow states got some questions to answer today and uh, kind of compiled some some Q&A for this episode so hopefully it'll it'll be fun to talk about some of these questions that keep popping up fairly regularly and that we can we can address directly um, I first want to hear a little bit about this uh, workshop that you're doing coming oh up. okay so give a yeah give an ex- explanation sure. of, of what it is and and what's happening in uh, the next week. Awesome. So Saturday, June 1st at House Fitness downtown, I am running a workshop for the ladies. So no boys allowed. I'll put a sign up on the door. Oh, yeah. uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> just being silly. Uh, it's going to run just the logistics before I get into it. It'll run 1030 until noon. Um, I keep saying 12 till 2 and that's not the right time. It's oh. going to run 1030 till noon. Um, and so what we're going to do is it is for anyone at any age, any woman at any age, I should say. And what we're going to do is kind of go back to the basics of fitness. So we're going to go through each primal movement and break it down mechanically and just make sure that everyone feels comfortable doing that. Um, So that's the first way we're going to – basically the idea is like breaking down barriers Mm -hmm. in the gym. And so if someone's feeling their movement patterns are off, um, we're going to help build them up and make sure that they kind of understand how to get there and that will give them a – bit more freedom in the gym. And then I'm going to be running it as supersets, if you will. So it'll be like a squat, little mechanic workshop, and then we'll superset that with a talk on goal setting. Um, And then we'll do another primal movement, and we're going to superset that with a talk on, uh, I think we're busting some fitness myths that you hear a lot of females say. Um, And then we're going to talk about nutrition a little bit. And we'll talk about um, the big one that I would like women to know is just kind of training around the menstrual cycle um, because, you know, men's bodies are pretty consistent over time and so they can train hard all the time and it's, you know, not as effective. But women's bodies are cyclical and I would like to teach women how to optimize that. And Mm -hmm. so you can optimize your workouts around that cycle instead of beating yourself up when you're sluggish. Because I hear that a lot from women. They're tired when they're menstruating. They can't work out the same and they get mad. Cause they don't like they're, they're weaker. And so we're going to, we're going to combat that and just kind of learn how to do fitness in the ladies way and still be strong and, um, all that good stuff. So cool. that's June 1st house fitness. If that's something you're interested in, you can, uh, is there like a, <laughs> is there like a, an admission cost to it? Yes. Sorry. I should have said that too. It's $25 for the hour and a half, which in okay. my opinion is quite a steal for all the info you're getting. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with, all of those different factors that you're going to be breaking down. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Nice. So there's some questions around floating. Um, interestingly enough, we get 
a lot of questions, even though this podcast not actually like <laughs> necessarily a float related podcast, but I guess it's sometimes good to, to cover that because it seems to be something that, um, at least with our, our mission and like, I guess the philosophy we're working around, it, it is a, a cool facilitator of the flow state for sure because of the way that you can kind of disassociate from all the, the stimuli around you and, and just get into a very uh, focused and mindful state like that. So I guess, yeah, let's, um, let's go through some of the, the float tank questions and then we might kind of end up with uh, one of our, I think like the, some of the flow state questions in particular are going to be like longer mm-hmm. kind of form answers. So Maybe we'll start with some of the rapid fire, like float, uh, float tank ones. Sure. Um, so one that you've had quite a, a few times, I, I guess a quick one is like the question of like, how long is the float session? And that's, that's pretty simple to answer in that, um, at least here, what we do is primarily the hour long sessions. Um, and then there's also the option for any customers that want to, add on another 30 minutes. Cause some people do like that 90 minute float. Uh, I find that there's kind of two ways to go about it. It's either you do three, uh, two to three sessions at the one hour length. And you kind of reach the same point that you do sometimes after the end of your first 90 minute float. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes into the second one. Um, it's all there's, there's a learning curve just like anything else. And so that's where, the first few floats are sometimes, I guess, a little bit challenging for some people that don't have the background experience in mindfulness or breathing or yoga, anything mm-hmm. like that. It takes it takes a little bit of getting used to it, kind of getting your finding your rhythm in there and and becoming uh, a little bit deeper, relaxed and deeper focused. So, yeah, the the basic answer is that uh, most floats are nine, uh, 60 minutes long. Um, you also get the 15 minutes of shower time here to, to rinse off beforehand and then shower longer afterwards to get all the salt off your body. And we do have quite a few customers that are, are doing the 90 minute, like the, the adding on 30 minutes to do like a 90 minute float. Cause they, they like the extra benefits of getting into a bit of a deeper state within one session. Um, and kind of like hacking past that learning curve a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, and other than that, it's not like you're stuck in there or anything. So you can always get out early if you if you want to or if you feel a little bit um at a little bit like out of out of your uh comfort zone, a little bit just distracted or whatever. It's always good to like fight through that a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of tying into the next question. So um if you want to jump on this one for like, what do you do in the float tank? So the, I guess the question is what do you, not you in particular, yeah. but you can answer it that way too. But like, what do people do in the float tank? They float. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, the short of it is that you, you don't really do anything. You just, you just are in the float tank. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there are multiple things you can bring into your, your float tank toolbox, if you will. Um, that benefit your float. And so a lot of people, um, the really simple one is just kind of tuning into your breath um, because that is the only thing you can really hear that in your heartbeat. So those are kind of 
good things to just pay attention to. So that's what a lot of people do is, yeah, pay attention to their breathing. Some people fall asleep, (laughs) which is totally okay. Some people uh, do body scans. I've heard of that being employed in there. So just kind of doing a head-to-toe check-in how your body's doing. And then other people who've got more of like a mindfulness meditation background will go into full meditative techniques that they know. Um, and it's it's neat to see the benefits of that when they come out. So lots of things you can do. I would say if you're a new floater though and you're apprehensive, just listen to your breath. Mm-hmm. Don't judge it. Don't try to change it. Just be there with it. Totally. Yeah. And with that, there's there's definitely a lot of different breath techniques. I like to encourage anybody that's got like zero experience to just either count your breaths. So you count each breath on the inhale and exhale or count uh, each breath, like one, two, three, four, as you breathe in, Mm -hmm. hold it for a little bit. So you can kind of do that box breathing of uh, like a four second count on each part. So four seconds on the inhale, four seconds, hold on the inhale, four seconds on the exhale and four seconds, hold on the bottom of the breath or after you've exhaled. And it's just, it's an easy way to kind of just pace yourself. And one of the cool things about that is people kind of think that that allows them to know exactly how long they're in the float for. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing is that you start to lose, like you can no longer rely on your your heart rate. It slows down pretty dramatically just because everything in your body is relaxed. You're kind of optimizing your use of oxygen and you're not, basically needing that six, that sort of traditional 60 beats per minute to, uh, to keep everything flowing in your body, keep the the oxygen circulating and keep your, your, uh, basically self oxygenated and also the breath rate. So this is something that the, the kind of researchers on floating have discovered is that a lot of people, their breath rate slows down to like two to three breaths a minute. Mm -hmm. And I know we've, we've talked about it a little bit on here before, and I've, I've mentioned it in one of in the recent guided meditation that most people are around the 12 breaths per minute, but some people are even up higher. Like if you're in the 15 to 20 breaths per minute range, you're stressed. Like it's actually a sign that you're in um, either like too much SNS activity, your, your sympathetic nervous system is firing, your body's in a stress state. And so it's super valuable to get into that two to three breaths per minute Mm -hmm. range. And it's not even like you have to force it or anything it's, it's just relaxing into the float and being comfortable and your body just doesn't need as much oxygen or you're getting deeper oxygen because you can actually, there's no tension on your body. You're able to like get that deep full breath. So I've heard lots of customers say like, it's amazing how like deep the breath goes. You know, if you're not totally used to belly breathing or anything mm-hmm. and you're actually able to like expand that air throughout your whole uh, like abdomen, it's really amazing. And so that's, that's kind of the, the breath work side of it and, and just kind of enjoying that and realizing how nice it is to like breathe deeply mm-hmm. and it just feels really good. And the other thing is uh, first, especially for a lot of new customers to floating, they think that they're supposed to do something. And like you said, mm-hmm. you don't really do anything. You just float. And with that comes boredom sometimes. <laughs> and I just, it's a, uh, I think there's going to be like a little side podcast on this just because it's like, it's an article that I'm writing right now or just an idea I'm like fleshing out, but it's, it's okay to be bored sometimes. And you don't always have to 
you don't always have to do something with with your mind, with your body, with the the digital device that we're always attached to. You don't always have to respond to boredom with something. Mm-hmm. And you really have to like let it be at times. Otherwise, like you just start to lose sense of who you are as like your true self. And like you lose sense of like your body, you lose sense of everything because we um in the last, you know, it's only been about 15 years since we've had this kind of this digital disruption to our world that now we have to respond to everything instantly and be like instantly gratified with with the dopamine hits from our smartphone or just distracting ourselves because we can't sit still and just let things be. And that's the cool thing with the float tank, though, is I think it, it does. There is still that that learning curve. There is still some some hardship you have to go through. Like nothing in life comes easy. Mm-hmm. But if you get through for some customers, like the learning curve is pretty sharp, like pretty quick. And the first 15 to 20 minutes and they're past it and then they lose track of time. Others, it's a bit of a battle for the first float. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, like some people with overactive minds, the first 40 minutes of the first float is just feels kind of like an uphill battle. And then it releases. So far, I've found, I think virtually everybody gets to the point of like deep relaxation by the end of their first float, even though it's an hour. And then you leave it kind of feeling like I could have stayed in there a lot longer. That's where it might be nice to consider doing a 90 minute float. Mm -hmm. Although I don't like to like impose that upon people because sometimes we're, we're constrained with our times legitimately. And so that's where like coming in for a second or a third time Mm -hmm. uh, actually like gets you to that state. You get past that, that um, dis-ease and that, that uh, boredom a lot quicker each time you come in and experience just like learning how to relax your body and accepting that you're not going to sink or drown or anything. Um, that's actually another another question. I think we'll we'll jump on in a second. But um, and and then you get to that point where the boredom dissipates because actually the cure for boredom is mindfulness and re- being very present. In mm-hmm. um, this is something. It's one of the the lessons from Sam Harris in the Waking Up course that I've been going through is that, yeah, the cure for boredom is mindfulness and meditation. Because once you learn how valuable just being fully present in in the moment is, um, you no longer have to always be doing something. I like that. Yeah. So that's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's something I think we're, we're tackling a lot with some of the, some of the, the customers and just the state of, everybody these days so i Mm -hmm. i think it's something to keep kind of keep that idea being drilled in and and fleshed out more and more yeah as we as we learn different ways we can you know even just like wrap your mind around it Mm. and ultimately it's a practice right Mm. like even floating is a practice you have to kind of craft it yourself and sometimes the first one we've seen some people it's not what they expected and and, uh, and then they come back and they're like, okay, yeah, I'm getting the hang of this. So just, yeah, be patient with, with your experience and, and don't expect anything of it. I think that's probably your best bet. It's not expecting to have any specific outcome. Just see what happens. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that's where the boredom sometimes comes from is because you think you're supposed to do something specifically. Mm-hmm. And, 
that's not always the case. Yeah, no. Actually, a question I've seen quite a few times, which I kind of already touched on, but is like the idea of what if you can't float in water? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's this one's a very like simple, simple answer. It's because it's not really like the float tank environment and the, the solution in the float tank is is nowhere near like traditional water. It's not like a swimming pool. There's there the concentration of, of salt, as particularly the Epsom salt is is so great that it's actually denser than the human body so everybody ends up floating because it's this dense solution that uh once you once you realize that it's super cool especially for somebody that's that doesn't traditionally float in water uh me me included it's just there is that learning curve the first time where every instinct in your body thinks that because you're in water you're going to sink and like your head you have to like force your head up you kind of have to keep those muscles all tense because otherwise you're going to sink but then once you realize that doesn't happen and that no matter what you do you can't even like get your body to like push down and sink then uh then you become a little like more and more comfortable with that experience and and relaxing into it Mm -hmm. did you find that was like your experience the first time Um, i don't think i ever thought about that until well, someone good. asks, they're like, what if I drown? And I'm like, I'm not sure you can. Like, <laughs> like unless you willingly lie face down and stop breathing, I really don't think you can do it. Um, yeah, and even that's even that's a, an immense challenge because it's so salty. It's like pepper spray. Yeah. And if you did that, you'd immediately be instinctually, like, forced out yeah. of it. You're not going to die in the tanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> So the next question is, I'd be afraid of getting stuck in the float tank. Mm, we do. We hear that a fair bit. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can't really. <laughs> I don't know. What's the like the the doors open quite easily if that's the if that's the fear of getting stuck, um, because I, there is a little bit of fear of claustrophobia, I would say. Sure. That people experience um, more so before they get in, not once they're in. Um because the idea of being in an enclosed container is kind mm-hmm. of scary to people and it's dark. So that's like double scary. Right. Um, but once you're in there, first of all, the, the claustrophobia goes away because you can't actually see the walls. And so unless you're touching them, like you are ultimately in this like perceived endlessness, yeah. or at least that's where I am. That's where I go into the ethers or something. <laughs> and, uh, so that I think that fear melts away for a lot of people pretty quickly. Um, but tips that we've given people is just if you're a little bit nervous about that, keep the door open a crack. Mm-hmm. Um, give yourself that peace of mind that you're not shut in. Um, and that usually just takes the pressure away from people. Yeah. And uh, and also, I mean, all of our float tanks, you can leave the lights on mm-hmm. as well. So you don't have to turn the lights off and feel confined that way. And like you said, yeah, it is sort of this endless feeling because even for me, it's a challenge to reach both walls at once. So it's not like a confined space at all. And especially, yeah, especially in the, for me in the, in like the cabins that we have, there's, there's so much space that it is, it does feel very endless once you're in there. And there's all that overhead height and it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not like it's low overhead. So there's, there's tons of space in there and the doors do open super easy. I think that that question sometimes comes from, 
seeing some of the, uh, I guess, like the bigger media portrayals of, mm. of float tanks where like somebody else has to open the door for you or that you're like locked in, but there's no locks or anything like that. No. And like you said, the openers are designed to be very easy to open. Yep. And it's, uh, yeah, they're not childproof, these things. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, th- you're right. It, it's, that's a question that, uh, it comes up a lot, but then it also goes away really quickly yeah. for anybody that has that question. The only other question right now we got about float tanks is, uh, is about like floating when you can't relax. Mm-hmm. And this one, I think this one's a little more challenging, um, or it, it definitely needs a little more like fleshing out. There's like a lot of things that that can go into it. So like, what would you say to somebody that says like they just can't relax? Like, um, as far as their experience would go. This is maybe someone new to floating saying that they're they're scared about the full hour. Is that what you mean? I would think so. Okay. Yeah, they um, just the the idea of like somebody that simply can't relax yeah. and uh, and. Yeah, how can they go about actually floating? I mean, ultimately, those are my favorite customer experiences um, because they're kind of the people that are a little bit itchy and then they get in there and they come out like a brand new person, uh, which is really fun to see. I I guess I experienced this the other day firsthand. When I was floating, I did not feel like I wanted to be in there anymore. So I was a little bit restless. I can relate. It does happen. Um. Oh man, I like just again take the, that pressure and expectation off yourself. Maybe you don't need to relax in the tank. Like you use it for energy, so maybe they could use it to their advantage and mm-hmm. and use it as like an energizing practice instead. But uh, I mean, the best thing I'd say, kind of a theme across all these questions, is just tune into your breath for a minute and then. Uh, if you fade away from that and you're feeling like you can't focus for that long, if that's the issue that you can't relax, then uh, then let it fade away and then come back to your breath and then let it fade away and then come back. Like, um, I think these people are always surprised how how effective floating is for them once they give into it. So just yeah, give it patience and practice. And yeah. Um- and then with that, actually, another thing that I would include is sometimes it, it definitely seems like if somebody's very restless, they say that they're a type of person that can't relax and that they're apprehensive about floating for that reason. Yeah, they, they do come out with whether it's um, even if it's just getting to that state of boredom, which sure. um I mean, they go in and sometimes the first session, like I mentioned, you don't always get to that full hour point. Sometimes people get out at 45 minutes or 50 minutes, but that's a huge accomplishment for somebody that has like Mm -hmm. a real hard time, like not always reaching to do something else, whether it's like jumping on social media or basically anything, having to work, Mm -hmm. having to stay busy, being very fidgety. It's a huge accomplishment because you're, you're really in the float tank doing nothing for that 50 minutes that you made it through. Mm-hmm. And that's like a great starting point. For um, sure. And part of that is because you lose track of time so easily that they, they most often think that they've only been in there 20 minutes or so. And they're like, yeah, no, I've had enough of it, but it's, it's 
it's that cool part of of getting in there and and losing track of time and then realizing that it's sometimes okay to lose track of time like that and actually very valuable for mm-hmm. for our mental health and and like stress and anxiety levels uh and then also with that i'd say you don't always have to start with the float but i do like the i do like floating for the reason that it's a very it's it's new to people so they want to try it out um it's physically relaxing so they want to try it out for that reason too and then you also get this great mindfulness benefit that we're as as like a society overall totally lacking and mm-hmm. really needing for well-being and mental health and it just teaches you that in such an easy way it's it's obviously much easier than the years it takes to get good at meditation and uh and just kind of like super charges that that process and and facilitates it so much quicker um but some people may want to start out with something a little bit easier like 10 like doing a 10 minute guided meditation sure which uh we've started putting together some of our own but there's other great ones you know sam harris and like the the uh, waking up app that he just put together uh he's also got lots of free ones that you can find either on youtube or another there's tons on youtube yeah and yeah. i also really like uh the insight timer app which i think is available both on android and and ios because it includes a whole bunch of free um, meditations and you can find like one that works perfectly for you. Um, there's also great ones from Tara Brock. She's a little more, uh, I guess, like less sciencey and more relaxed into um, just the mindfulness side of it. And yeah, you might want to start with something like that or even start with just like a basic yoga practice because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, at the heart of yoga is mindfulness as well, which I know we've talked about before and mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure we'll get into kind of longer form at some point because there's kind of a, there's been a shift in like, I don't know, uh, glamorizing yoga and not being true to the the mindfulness nature of it. Yeah. But we, um, you can always like apply that for yourself. So if you find a good, free once again on youtube yoga instructional Mm -hmm. video that's 10 minutes long or something you may want to start with something like that because it'll it'll often teach you how to tune into your breath more um and tune into your body more and those are those are like great starting points um yeah or even just yeah even just challenging yourself to go 10 minutes without checking your phone or something like that Mm -hmm. it's like a starting point and building from there yeah yeah, sorry, I was just going to chime in on the yoga point so that if people need a resource, um, I always recommend for beginners uh, yoga with Adrian. Um, <laughs> That's actually, yeah, I, I, I watch, uh, I like those ones, they're awesome. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. She she makes it simple, she makes it digestible. Um, she's got 30-day series, she's got 10-minute practices, like mm-hmm. she's got yoga for everything. Yep. So that's a really good place to start. Yeah, and... Uh, Especially because yoga can be pretty hard and like I'm terrible at yoga, (laughs) but uh, there's, there's great like beginner level ones. Um, And it's a great way to wake up. I like, I like searching for like the morning ones that she Mm -hmm. does and, and following along with their, they're short, but they get like your heart rate up a little bit, which really helps in the morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't always have to reach immediately for that cup of coffee. If you've got your heart rate up and kind of elevated and, and you've just started doing some movement. Mm-hmm. And, 
I don't know. It's an awesome way to prime the body for the day. Cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a good resource. Definitely check it out. I'm pretty sure she does like some more meditative stuff too. Yeah. So you can kind of get everything from, from YouTube. Really? Totally. So the next question is, are there any downsides to flow? <laughs> that, that question I actually like chewed on all of yesterday and, uh, I did something out of character and went for a run yesterday due to the fact that I did not have enough time to work out and walk my dog. So I did the both at the same time. Um, and I was trying to digest that while I was running, um, which was kind of metaphorical because I was trying to get into flow with that. And then I was like, is there anything bad about this? And then I stepped in a giant mud puddle and I'm like, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, it depends on how you look at it, I would say. So depending on your mindset, sure, there could be some negative things. Um, for example, this might sound harsh and I don't mean it that way, but when you get into the flow state, you realize how little the things on the fringes are necessary, if that makes sense. So there's like, I think you'll just realize kind of what's dead weight in your life. And that can sometimes be a little bit of a mourning process or something that's maybe perceived as negative if you see it as a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what I, where I was thinking, yeah, you learn things about yourself and, and how you get into your zone and sometimes it's not always positive about yourself. Yeah. Cause you're like, you're cutting off all that, yeah. that dead weight and everything. Yeah. Is that a bad thing in the long run? No. Yeah. I think, uh, that's part of, I don't know, part of bringing the awareness around flow and, and the growth that it offer offers you, mm-hmm. um, the opportunities that come to you because of it, it's it's all about kind of realizing like the uh, yeah what things are truly important, what things mm-hmm. truly are meaningful, and and letting go of the things that perhaps are not conducive to your flow state, or yeah are dragging you down, uh, mm-hmm. limiting you from from blossoming really right sure. <clears throat> the. Uh, I also have, yeah, I've got several ideas on, on the, uh, what I would call like the hate of it. So sort of like that, uh, um, it's a term from Matt Vincent. He's a two times world Highland games champion and, um, and talks about his, his sort of motto, his like life philosophy and, and the essentially like the brand he's built around it is, uh, is hate, which, um, is actually he, he refers to it or it's it's h with the roman numeral eight so hviii mm-hmm. is how he calls it and it's um it's it's uh essentially like he it's kind of part of the downside of flow i guess he call it's growth through um self-loathing um or like self-improvement through self-loathing okay so he refers to the fact that like it, i guess it really turns into like this this concept from young of like the shadow or the darkness. Okay. And I think that that comes into play a lot with flow is you've got to be in tune with like your full self, your full identity. And so there is, there's like an actual darkness to, to flow in that sense where you have to, um, it's sometimes like those things that drive you the most, are those things that, that bring about like the hate, bring about the uh, like the shadow in you. Mm-hmm. And 
as uh, Robert Greene talks about in The Laws of Human Nature, he's got a great chapter on the shadow and talking about how we only become our true selves once we actually integrate that darkness with the light or whatever you show to um, like the greater world right so mm-hmm. it's just like the whole like social media concept you're always showing the positive side you know you're on vacation blah 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 it's always like sunshine and rainbows mm-hmm. but like the darkness is sometimes like limited from from the reality but i think there's a lot to be learned from um even contemplating that darkness that dark side and and seeing where it leads you uh, especially if you're trying to find your passions and you're not really sure mm-hmm. what it is, uh, there's a lot of answers to be had in that. Yeah. Um, so that's one side of it. There's also the uh, the other downside of flow. I would say is that you become so enmeshed in in that thing, like the the growth and and like you said, kind of weeding out the things that are not so valuable that sometimes it leads to envy from others. It leads to jealousy. It leads to um, um, sometimes cutting off ties with like different relationships that are no longer as useful. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I mean, I th- it's, it's kind of like a conversation that we, uh, we, we've gone over before, you know, we talked about it a little bit with like integrity. And I think what was the other, well, there was another episode we talked about it, I think, um, spring cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. The spring cleaning. That's right. Yeah. So that, um, it's, it's all related to flow as well. Mm-hmm. So there's the, the need to realize that not all like relationships last forever. Yeah. And, um, that sometimes that's, if you're, if you've found your flow or if you're kind of going into this, you're starting to approach more of like a flow state in your life, then sometimes those relationships just uh, are, are limiting you from being truly immersed in it or like the true full capacity of like your growth mm-hmm. and everything like that. Yeah. And then, yeah, like the envy part as well. Like it's whether it's uh, it, it's through social channels, which is very easy to be, you know, catty and, uh, and like just, um, trolling people, uh, with negativity, or if it's just like, um, it just comes about in many different ways in the real world as well. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You ask any successful person, any even like famous person, if we want to go there, if they haven't experienced backlash, like there's no, (laughs) there's always going to be someone who doesn't like you for many reasons, whether it's envy or they just don't like you or whatever, and they feel a need to get in your way. Yeah. Um, but that's the beauty of flow is you just kind of zip around and keep going yeah. if you can. Yeah. And, uh, like your, um, especially like, like your water metaphors, it's the, it's the idea that you're still, yeah, weaving around those, sure. those things, those obstacles in your way. Um, and yeah, no, that's a good point too. I, I forget, I forget whose quote, it originally is but the whole idea of if you're not um if you're not pissing certain people off if, if you don't have haters yeah, yeah, yeah. then you're not working <laughs> hard enough you're not like you're not um doing as much as like you should be yeah maybe you could be yeah <laughs> yeah. Like yeah i um what was i gonna say i think that I struggled with this question because i really don't see all this stuff as negative like i see it as growth mm-hmm. um but 
maybe to someone who feels a little more stuck or, or, or a little more afraid of the shadows, if you will. Yeah. So we'll say like a handful of years ago, Telsey would have been scared of that for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Um, this weeding out is really positive if you look at it that way. But yeah, if you're flow takes work, mm-hmm. flow takes grit. I'm seeing that word in the bookshelf right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like you have to work through it and you have to meander up and down hills and in the mud and around things. And, and yeah, if you're, if you're not willing to do that work, then I would steer clear of trying to find your flow because you do have to, I mean, that sounds harsh, but like there's work to it. I saw a quote the other day from a woman named Ashley Wood, I believe just on her Instagram. She, she's out in LA, does the LA thing. And, uh, she was just saying how a lot of people want that end game, but they're not willing to, you know, get, take the path there. But the power is in the path. And I really liked that because that's that shadow work that like connecting to your darker side um, or like just the things that, you know, are limiting you, holding you back. If you acquaint yourself with that, um, then you can learn kind of your patterns and how to combat those things or how to balance those things out. Um, and when you were talking about just like spring cleaning and we brought that up, like in order to clean, you have to know where the dirt is. Right. So in that sense, in order to kind of optimize yourself, you have to know where to go and where to, where to look and comes back to that self-awareness piece we keep talking about with everything we've talked about. Yeah. And so actually a good point that you made there, uh, because, you know, this question arises from people who are still on the journey and mm-hmm. still trying to get there. And like you said, a few years ago, like it, it would have been, it, it was intimidating to yeah. you. And so, yeah, it's okay. Um, I mean, that's something that over time we're going to continue to build upon so that you can kind of learn those, those individual building blocks that, mm-hmm. that will help to get you to the point of letting go and, and accepting it more. But if you're still in the weeds and finding it scary or, or shying away from whatever it is you're passionate about that you think is kind of leading towards your flow. Um, just, you know, for now, keep working on it and it, it starts to become easier over time Mm -hmm. and just, uh, yeah, it, it, there's, there's going to be like the hard things that come and then you'll, you'll start to embrace that more over time and be okay with it. Yeah that this is one thing I talked to my life coach about a lot when I was starting out on my personal flow journey. And one thing she said that's always stuck with me is what you resist persists just in the sense that, uh, if you're fighting kind of engaging with something that's dark about yourself, um, it's going to keep showing up in different aspects of your life until you deal with it. And so like RJ just said, if you're finding yourself in those weeds or whatever, like don't, there's no sense running away from it. You don't have to know what to do, but just be there and feel through it. And and it's try to be curious about this kind of stuff because hmm. it will help you out a lot easier than, you know, flailing and going crazy thinking about my dog got stuck in a soccer net the other day <laughs> <laughs> and she started flailing and got more tangled. <laughs> and, uh, you know, silly metaphor, but very true if she were to just step out she would have been fine, but she started flailing and just, it was a big mess. It looked very, very, uh, you know, we could donate to the SPCA. 
after watching that on camera. <laughs> Those videos. <Yeah. laughs> Little Sarah McLaughlin came into my head. It was good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, don't resist. No. Don't resist the dirty stuff because there is a lot to learn and a lot of value in there. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's a... Uh... <laughs> That's a great story to punch home the point. So. <laughs> well, that's, uh, I think we're running out of time for this episode. So that was, um, hopefully those, those questions and the answers did justice to them and send us in more questions whenever mm-hmm. you feel like it. We'll, we'll get to them. Hopefully, I don't know whether we'll do like a once per month, uh, Q and a kind of thing. We'll, we'll figure out whatever schedule works best, uh, depending on the volume of questions and also just categorizing some of them. Cause sometimes it's, mm-hmm. it's easier when we just like lump them all together if they're very similar, uh, which questions tend to be, especially like, um, with, well, not so much with flow, but with, with float tanks for yeah. sure. Like the questions are all very, uh, very similar. Um, and then, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll yeah. finish it for today awesome. and everybody go check out the, the information, especially for the the house fitness um, women's workshop. If yes, you, uh, come hang out with me. Yeah, and that's so that's next weekend, and, and good luck with that. And Thank you. Also, we've got uh, actually another cool kind of related thing is Brandon's yoga outdoors starts yeah. tomorrow. So this will be the opening weekend, and hopefully the weather behaves and we get to start off tomorrow. Hopefully. Yeah. Cool. So I think that's all we've got for now. All right. Adios. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Flowcast. If you like listening to this podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Also leave us a review and a five-star rating. It helps to spread the word and reach more people with this podcast. Feel free to send us in your questions or any recommendations for guests you'd like to have on the podcast. You can always reach out to us on social media through the Flow Spa social media handle, which is at FlowSpaON on all platforms. As always, thanks for listening.